Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Mr. Alfred Dudley and his daughter Melanie Dudley McLean sat down with us earlier to discuss the history of their family's world-famous hair care line and the Beauty College. Located at 2031 Rhode Island Avenue Northeast in the District of Columbia. Welcome to you both. Mr. Dudley, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Alfred Dudley. I am 80 years old. And I uh, started uh, working here at uh, Dudley Beauty College in 1995 is when I started uh, directing the, the beauty school here in, uh, in, on Royal Avenue. And uh, I've been, ever since then, I've been, uh, been the director of the school. You have an electrical engineering degree. How did you transition from electrical engineering to overseeing an entire beauty college? Well, it was it was very easy because I had started retailing, selling products, uh, working my way through uh, through school. I sold uh, products, and uh, and while I was uh, working as an electrical engineer, I also sold products part time. So that made it easy for me to make the transition. And one of the reason is one day I wanted to be my own boss, and it was the easiest way to. Uh, transition from a job to become a entrepreneur so that was my uh, goal in life and uh, so it wasn't very difficult to do it because I had been selling products all the time so it was very easy to make that transition from uh, uh, working as a uh, employee to becoming self-employed and working as an entrepreneur is something that I wanted to do all my life and I wanted the freedom of being able to decide what I want to do and do that job and the best, uh, the more, the, if I do a good job, I normally get paid more. So that was the important thing is being, I call being free to, to make my own decisions. Melanie, tell us your name and how your involvement began with Dudley Beauty College. Okay, um, my name's Melanie Dudley McLean. The way I um, became involved with the uh, Beauty College, when I was in college, I graduated from Drexel University in Pennsylvania. The school offered a co-op program, and I did a co-op with Dudley Products my junior year and there discovered I was really fascinated with the beauty industry. Uh, so from there, I did a, um, another internship with them the following year with uh, doing sales. So from that spurred into them deciding, hey, we want to take you to a different level. We're opening a school in Baltimore and we'd like you to run it. Well, I was only 25 and said, wow, I think I might be too young for this. And my uncle, um, Mr. Joe Dudley, he says to me, says, Mel, look, uh, you, you have got to get out of your mind this, what you can't do. It's always I can, I, I am, I can, and I will. And once he always he would say that to me always. He said, this will prepare you for developing your mind and developing yourself. You need to step out on faith and do things. So I said, okay, so I moved to Baltimore and I ran the school there for about five years. They decided that they wanted to have a different location. Um, when they opened the school here in D.C., my my father was given an opportunity to purchase it from them. So when he purchased the school, he asked me to come and help run the school here on Rhode Island Avenue. So I said yes. And that's how I ended up here um, at Dudley Beauty College in Washington, D.C. Mr. Dudley, getting a new school established has its challenges. 
What challenges were associated with Dudley Beauty College? Uh, yes, I guess one of the uh, challenges that we had was our, our recruiting most students. So, so and uh, that's that's been a, a challenge in recruiting students. But because we always there was a greater demand for uh, cosmetologists in the supply, so it was constantly recruiting students so we could meet that great demand that's out there in the community now. Melanie, what has been your biggest challenge with growing the business? Just figuring out how to keep students um, motivated, uh, understanding, you know, where they're coming from. Uh, but what I realized is that once you put yourself in their place and know that they have a lot of distractions, uh, and just getting, after you realize that you know, you're much older <laughs> than they are and look at what they're having to deal with, you become a little more compassionate, a little more understanding, uh, able to communicate with them better. Mr. Dudley, you are the fifth child of 11 and grew up in a three-room farmhouse in North Carolina. What was that like? Uh, yes, I, actually I was the fourth uh, child in the uh, and my family, uh, what happened was uh, our house burned down and, and we were we homeless. And at that time, my mother had 10 children, was carrying them 11, okay? So the house burned down and uh, so my mother, my father asked my two older brothers, say, what do you want to do? You want to stop school and build a house? Or do you want to live in this old shack? There was a three-room house that my father was buying. And uh, so what he did, tore the front of the house down and made three big rooms. Okay, we had uh, three beds in one room and three of us to a bed. That took you a nine right there, see? So we were close. We had to be. We had no chance, no choice, all right? So I remember as it was uh, yesterday, and that's been over 60 some years ago uh, when the house burned down. And my, uh, what I can remember that night was what, will my father take me out of school? Is my school over with? Because I was 11 years old and I always had in my mind that I wanted to obtain a, a college degree. And I thought it was all over. And so my father called my three older brothers together and said, do y'all want to go to school? Or, or stop and build a house. And he said before he could get the words out of his mouth, my second oldest brother said, we want to go to school, all right? And so we lived in the three rooms and, uh, and went on to school to finish, finish college, see? So that was a, a great uh, uh, opportunity for us to learn one technique. And I think that one technique that we learned was to support each other has helped us and still helping us to perpetuate this business. Melanie, your father's history of growing up in a three-room farmhouse paints a picture of support, unity, determination, family values, and the importance of education. How did these attributes impact you as a child and ultimately as an adult and entrepreneur? Well, I think that one of the things that really came to mind, one of the things that comes to mind is that while everyone in my family is college educated, one of the things that they don't teach you in college or they didn't teach me was how to become an entrepreneur. And while you read a lot of textbooks, um, you end up not reading how to build yourself. And we read Thinking Grow Rich for six hours during one of the meetings. And I said, Uncle Joe, I can't believe I, we have to read this book for six hours. He says, well, the first hour you're trying to get, a, you get your own attention. And then the rest of the time you may pay attention. So that's why we're doing six hours. So we would, we would be in a meeting with a group of executives on a Sunday and we're reading Thinking Grow Rich. We're stopping after two hours and discussing the book. So I think that 
starting to understand who I am and what things drive me was was really key and pivotal 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 <laughs> in growing myself really uh and being in and having some perseverance where before I think you know, I would give up quickly, but then I would, I'd look back on what my dad and what my uncle and my aunts were doing, and I said, wow, I, you know, I really can't give up. I am, I can, and I will. And that's, that's what's kept me pushing. Mr. Dudley, why did you choose Rhode Island Avenue for your school? Well, what, uh, what happened was that there was a fellow named John Ray who had a business called the Majestic Eagles, and my brother bought the building from him, and that's the reason we uh, was located here on Rhode Island Avenue, because we uh, bought the building from uh, John Ray, and and because uh, we first bought the school, uh, which was in South Capitol Street, and then we moved it here to Rhode Island Avenue. Melanie, does Dudley Beauty College have relationships with other businesses along Rhode Island Avenue Main Street? Yes, we do. Uh, in fact, the new business that just opened the supermarket across the street, we're, we're interested in them. We've talked about them coming over and talking to our students about nutrition and uh, you know what's good to eat and how it can affect the person's hair, skin, and nails. So we want to do some collaborations with businesses on the avenue, and that's one of them where uh, they can come and teach our students. And also there's some salons on the avenue as well that uh, come over and talk to our students about, you know, being a cosmetologist, being an owner, being, you know, just, you know, just the everyday life of the business. So that's been exciting. Dudley Beauty College was featured in Chris Rock's Good Hair movie. How did that help the business? Uh, yes, uh, we, uh, he had a documentary that uh, showed that Dudley products are being manufactured and, uh, and also showed some of the uh, hairstylists uh, doing hair. And it was uh, quite an event that, uh, uh, that many individuals uh, enjoyed because they knew about Dudley products and when they were able to see uh, it in a movie, a national movie, why it was uh, quite a, a thrilling effect here. And since my brother looked so much like me, they, most people thought it was me in the movie. And so uh, that was very, very thrilling to, uh, to be in that uh, position. Mr. Dudley, do people still ask for your autograph? Oh, yes. And so I would always give them an autograph. I didn't have to tell them any difference because uh, we all worked as a unit anyway. Mother taught us to support each other. And that's how we were able to accomplish what we have accomplished because we still work together. She taught us to come to, to, go, to work together actually so to get through school. But she had no idea that it was building the empire that would... Uh, reached the whole, all over the United States and several foreign countries uh, is known today because I believe that we were taught to support each, support each other and work together. So. Dudley Beauty College is located on the east coast of the United States, but also has an international presence. What is the international presence? Well, with we, Dudley Beauty, we're about eight uh, foreign countries that we're in uh, product-wise. And we, we build a couple of schools in Zimbabwe, Africa, uh, to give them a jump start. And we uh, went over and we taught a class, taught two classes, and then we brought the students over here and taught them how to become teachers and sent them back. So they got a jump start now that they can go back and teach uh, the uh, product knowledge to uh, and uh, the hair technology to uh, uh, their own in, in Zimbabwe, Africa. What are plans for the college's next two to five years? And do you have any plans for renovations? Okay. Um, what we want to do here at Dudley's is, as you know, we have three floors in a basement. On our third floor, we'd like to expand the business and do massage therapy. 
So that's one of the projects that, that's one of the projects we're working on. And also part of our program now, we have the students during their last 300 hours do what's called an uh, internship with other salons. So they go there and they work for, a, you know, a, like a week and see the ins and outs of, of everyday salon life. So that's some of the things that we're looking at doing here at Dudley's. Melanie, I understand you're having a grand reopening soon. What can visitors expect to learn about the college? Yes, we are. We, we were very fortunate to have the friends and family of Rhode Island Avenue support us. So we were able to get the front of our building redone. We also did some renovations on the first floor and are starting our renovations on the second floor. We're doing an open house March the 21st from 11 to 1. And that will be an, a time for people to come and learn more about what cosmetology is and also the different programs we offer. Cosmetology is both an art and a science. The art of cosmetology is everywhere, but the science is not as ubiquitous. What basic science should students have before entering the field of cosmetology? That's a good question. Um, a lot of times people think that, you know, when you apply for cosmetology school, you're just doing hair. Well, the actual curriculum involves chemistry, anatomy and physiology, business. Uh, so the student does have to have a high school diploma because in high school you do learn about chemistry and anatomy and physiology, biology. Mr. Dudley, what else would you like to see along the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street? Well, I'd like to see uh, new businesses uh, in the area uh, because uh, we'll be able to, to support new business with the traffic that we, I know we will be bringing in to the school. Our school have a capacity of about 270 students and I believe uh, with the new techniques that we have that we'll be able to bring these students here and this will provide a lot of, uh, will help a lot of the uh, uh, business in this area, especially the food uh, business. Uh, I think it's going to be great for them. Yeah. Melanie, thank you. And Mr. Dudley, thank you. Thank you. All right, so our next guest today is Gabriela Mossi from the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation. Uh, and uh, Gabriela has been working with uh, Rhode Island Avenue Main Street, Friends of Rhode Island Avenue, uh, and other Ward 5 businesses for a long time now. Welcome, Gabriela. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kyle. So uh, just give a, a quick snapshot for us, if you would, of, of what the uh, Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation does for businesses. The Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation a bit of a mouthful, uh, has been working with small businesses since uh, 1976. And we have what we call a small business assistance program. Now, this program is to help all minority-owned businesses, especially low- to middle-income businesses in the District of Columbia. Now, we have expanded to parts of Maryland and Virginia, but our focus uh, has been uh, always the district, especially those underserved corridors. Now, the small business assistance program started again, as uh, an educational and an advocacy program. And uh, we have expanded that to, some, to doing some capacity building. We started with the usual seminars for small businesses. The focus, obviously, of the foundation being linked to a chamber of commerce was to serve its members. But we could see that demand was growing, especially with minority-owned businesses, obviously the Hispanic community. So we um, made it to include everybody through the foundation, which is a separate nonprofit. And again, this started with the traditional seminar and group trainings. But we found uh, more recently that it was difficult for a small business owner. And when we say small, we're talking micro. We're talking businesses, certainly less than 20 employees. And these folks could not go out to a seminar or take time out of their shop to go to a, a traditional training. 
So we have tailored our program to include one-on-one -on -one So, So somebody would go into the business and, and work with the business owner exactly. on the site. Exactly. So we've tried to make it easier uh, to help that business owner to assess what their individual needs are and then try to tailor the assistance uh, and bring it to them. So that is uh, the, the, you know, the basic idea behind what we do. And, um, and then we could talk a little bit more in more detail, but that is, generally, that is the, the basic idea. So uh, when you say small business technical assistance, uh, what, what, are, what are business owners looking for when they ask for help from you? Or, or for any form of technical assistance? What, what types of, of challenges are they facing? Right, and that is a, a great question because we say we have nice brochures and we go and we talk about what we do and we keep talking about technical assistance and even the business owner themselves is like, technical assistance, is that something that I need? What is that? And sure enough, when you start to explain and when you, when you put it down to try to put it down to what they are going through day to day, they, they say, aha. So this is what, what technical assistance means. Uh, do you need help with your bookkeeping and your accounting or your taxes? Somebody right. to take an extra look at that. Right. Are you having problems with getting a permit, mm -hmm. updating your license, or... Uh, perhaps expanding and having to go through a DC agency to do that. We're all very familiar with. Yes, that's always the, fun. That's uh, yes. We all know about those. A little bit of a roadblock sometimes. How do I uh, better? How do I get more customers through the door? Um, it, which means marketing, promotion, maybe right. improving my branding. Right. How do I? Uh, again, I want to expand. Maybe I want to get another location. How do I do it right? How do I get it? Make sure that I have the right lease. How to negotiate a lease about you know? So this is real estate and commercial leasing. Right. Um, I want to um, improve my my social media, my web presence. I don't have any, or uh, have a Facebook page, but nobody's visiting that. <laughs> you know. So, you know, how do I improve my social media? And uh, another issue that we found was very important that is sometimes touchy with business owners is customer service. Mm, right. How do we improve customer service? So we found that uh, for existing businesses in the corridors, these were issues that kept coming up. So we have tailored, I mean, we have focused on those, ba on those, on those themes I just mentioned. So uh, you, have, you have individual uh, technical assistance providers going in to, to work with businesses. And, and these, I assume, are uh, people that are uh, trained specialists or professionals in, in that targeted field, like maybe somebody who's a professional accountant going in to help with the bookkeeping, maybe somebody that's a, mm -hmm. um, somebody that has experience with um, an, a promotions background going in for... Absolutely. What, um, what we do every year is we do a call uh, we do a call for consultants, we call them consultants, uh, to come and join our team. We have folks with experience, obviously, within our, our, own, our own shop, but um, we found that that did that, not be enough. So we have a roster, we call for a roster of folks who would want to come to help us out. Obviously, you know, if we, we do, we ask for pro bono, some folks do this uh, uh, for free, but we also pay consultant so we have a roster we call out every year and that way we also employ others who are self-employed or may have their own business so again we're helping everybody but we so we try to get uh, dc based firms <clears throat> we have to we want to we encourage certified business enterprises to become part of our team and we will go out to an existing business we do a lengthy interview interview to assess the needs and try to prioritize um, we listen to the business owner. We look through our experience and, th and say, okay, these are really the, the priorities. And then we go and look for this expert. Then this is a consultant. And this the expert will be the appropriate person who may be, maybe this person may be a bookkeeper, 
They may be a CPA if needed. They may be a or, or a, a successful business owner themselves who has donated some of their time, who oh. is a business owner, it, perhaps in the same industry or related industry. So somebody who's actually been through those the fire, been through all the tough times, and said, you know, I want to share some of my experience in uh, in, in, in growing the business, uh, starting the business. I'm an expert, uh, perhaps in. I've been through all of the DCRA hoops. Let me share you some tricks with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, certainly, folks that are experts in branding and marketing, graphic designers, right, and the like. So, yeah. if you had to identify a couple of very specific challenge areas that seem to be uh, consistent across different business types, different uh, service industry types. Uh, what what do you think are some one or two of the the most common challenges facing business owners? Yeah, challenges is a good question. I will, I will have to let me um, let me also add this this detail to our program. We don't only help existing business; we also want to help entrepreneurs, those startups. Okay. So, if you're starting a business and you come to us and you say we we you know we we'd love to open a business on Ryland Avenue. 12th Street Northeast and New York Avenue Northeast and other places around the city. Um, how do I get started? One is always making sure that you think about what type of business, you know, the legal structure of the business, and, of course, going through to get your business license and, and, and paying those fees. Great. People are always very excited about the name and the logo they're going to give the business, and I'm thinking, where's this where I'm going to put the business, and wouldn't this be a great location? But the biggest challenge is making sure that folks have a strong, well-thought-through business plan. Ah, so the whole that, blueprint that for the be, whole thing. Exactly. That's number one. If you are starting a business, we want to make sure that you have a good business plan. And we may spend quite a bit of time making sure that you have a strong business plan. And then, of course, getting the financing for that business to have that startup capital. Speaking of financing, yes. can you tell me the new businesses that come to you, how they pay or do they pay? Another good question. We try to prepare them to have a strong business plan so that they can then be prepared to get that financing. There are several uh, small business uh, lenders we work with, nonprofits, that are also partner. There are partners. We help with the technical assistance and the business planning for free? process for free. For free, wow. we do not lend money, but we can connect you with partners. Uh, obviously, we work with a chamber, which is a membership organization. They have many members that are in commercial lending. They may take a look at your business plan. You may not be ready to go to a commercial bank. You may want to go to uh, what we call the CDFI. Our partners are other nonprofits. From um, You may know WACIF, LEDC. And um, these are lenders that receive funding from the government to then to what will be riskier, maybe riskier loans than a bank will take and smaller amounts because a bank will not lend, well, no, it's not going to lend you, maybe even $10,000 is too small for a commercial bank. These folks will lend $10,000, $15,000, or they may have products to lend even smaller. Some people may just need two, $3,000. So now there are many funders out there. You know, you, you can even crowdsource your own funding, right? And there are other more innovative products out there. So we will gu we can also guide folks through that. That is always a big one. Where do I get the money? Many folks start a business with, with what they've saved and with their family. They go to their relatives to, to put together that initial capital. Uh, these days, we have other, other options. So through the, uh, through the wonder of the Internet, uh, we've determined Excellent. that CDFI stands for Community Development Financial Institutions. Exactly. So those are uh, – that is a special certification that you must get uh, to be able to lend this, the, these funds from the government. And an example, you know, some of the partners. And those are low-interest loans. And, and smaller loans right. and uh, perhaps a little bit riskier. The, the, you know, what you need as collateral, for example, may be different. Okay. 
Um, and so that is if you're starting a business. As that's what I think is uh, is number one for us is getting through the business plan and make and then getting the funding. But if you are an already existing business, um, the, here's what we see: you are dealing with renewal of a permit or a license. We see that all the time. So a business is having challenges meeting the stipulations of the new of the government of the renewal the renewals and under any other government regulations that means that you must go down to the uh, CRA Office of Tax and Revenue if you have a liquor license the Alcohol Beverage Regulation Agency and again um, sometimes it is challenging to get through all the paperwork right. Um, and we work with daisies. I have to say, things have improved greatly in the time that I've been working on these issues. But again, that, that comes off often. Comes up often. And, and have challenges uh, with, with permitting issues, uh, those, those sound like they could really have long, long-lasting challenges, like it, significant repercussions for the business that, you know, it, it, it may be something that, I know from, from the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street standpoint, we have grants uh, for facade improvement programs, uh, and we would love to, to help every business on, on the block get a new sign or new paint job, whatever they need to spruce up their facade. Uh, we, we also, uh, because it's taxpayer money, we need to make sure that the business is, is in good standing. And um, it seems to be a, a challenge across the city. Uh, businesses are... are pretty much leaving money on the table by not being able to access those grants because they may have challenges with with renewing their permits exactly so we're talking so what is tied to that which is another challenge are issues um, with taxes for example and uh, and that is tied to your bookkeeping and your accounting making sure that you keep good records that you have a good good system of accounting that ties into making sure that then you can do your taxes and that you can then easily be filing your taxes so that when it's time for you to renew, to do, do any business with the government, that you have that clean hand certificate, for example. And again, that is all tied to something we see, making sure that you have a good system of, of bookkeeping. Right. Um, again, so that, that is another challenge that we see. But for businesses that have been on corridors, uh, and they've really they've made it through the tough times. Again, we've we've had some businesses have been around for a long time. Certainly, the most recent challenge has been the, the recession. We're coming out of the recession. Some businesses made it out of that, and now we see we see a, a booming economy in the city. We've it seen. Is. I mean, it really. So we all talk about all these new people coming in and how the city is growing and all neighborhoods are being revitalized. Excellent. Businesses need to capture those new customers, but perhaps they need to have better merchandising, better products. They're not as well known. Uh, they need to improve their customer service. And so that is that is what we see as the next challenge. How do have you be, become more modern and take advantage of right. those new customers? Not your traditional customer, that's great, but you may not be growing with that. Or your traditional customer, certainly when we have worked with the Hispanic community, the traditional customer perhaps has moved away. Mm. The, the neighborhood has become expensive, but they've moved. Uh, new folks have come in. And so, you know, you need to adjust. You need to adjust that business plan, and you need to improve what would be your, your, your marketing, your branding, your merchandising. So we see, we see quite a bit of demand also in those areas. Right, and it, and it seems like... Uh, I went to a, a seminar recently where the, uh, the, the speaker was talking about uh, millennials as customers and how they are both uh, hyper-local in their focus and they're, they're global in their focus. And to the extent that that impacts small businesses, um, they want to support small businesses. Um, but from the global perspective, if that small business doesn't have a web presence, whether it's, it's something as simple as a Facebook page, they may never show up on any new customer's radar. If they don't exist on the web, they don't exist. 
and and that is uh, something we're trying to help our businesses because uh, we've got so many long time uh, well established businesses that have been here thirty plus years, trying to to help them reach that new market just like you're just like you're saying. Absolutely, and like I said, we help all minority owned businesses, and we've actually been working in Northeast at least five years now. Right. And we have seen incredible change in five years. We came to do an assessment of Rhode Island Avenue Northeast five years ago. And we walked the streets. We did a survey of all the properties at the time. There was over 50% vacancies. So parts of Northeast. And we were focusing from North Capitol to about 23rd, a little bit maybe past uh, South Dakota. All of this stretch of Rhode Island Avenue Northeast which was designated a great street. And again, it's had a, it's, it's an amazing avenue. It, it's an entryway through, from Maryland, and it's had its heyday. We talked to many people who said, well, I remember, for example, Woodridge was a wonderful avenue where people came out to shop. All of these storefronts had different services, and folks would stroll and purchase all kinds of things. We would love to see. We we said we would love to help to bring that back, and we came to work in this area. Again, many minority-owned businesses, and like you said, many businesses have been around. They've made it through. They've been around for 30 years. How could we help them? Um, again, serve those new customers and make sure that they could st- stick around and continue to provide those services, and then help. Well, again, like we said, how do we also help fill in the vacancies? But talking about those businesses that have been around for a long time, again, web presence we found was key. A lot of them were nowhere to be found on right. the Internet. Right. And we did something very basic. Again, as part of what we do is we help small business, but as part of a bigger plan, which is commercial revitalization. And how do we help that? Well, we help to try to promote these areas and put, put, put a good spin uh, on some of these uh, underserved, or, you know, maybe slightly forgotten corridors. And we did something very basic. How about a directory? We did an online directory. We say, let's gather all kinds of information. Some of these folks may not have a web page, but they, they must be present somewhere on the Internet. How do we get them on there? At least a basic listing, right? basic description. Uh, look at all we have. We found so many businesses and so many different services already right here, close and walking distance to many folks. That was something basic, and that's you know again. And then uh, and then the next step is if they wanted to be more engaged and participate in the program is okay. Let's do a little Facebook page for you. Let's do a web page for you. But again, uh, the online directory, for example, was a way to help promote uh, the corridor and, and, and the business uh, business individually. And that's the Ward 5 online directory? Ward 5 online. And that's, that's still up and running? Yes, it's up and running. We're actually doing a, a large um, update. It's constant, constantly updating because so many new businesses are coming, which right. is great. We're constantly updating that. And uh, thankfully, we have an intern who's been making many, many phone calls <laughs> 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 to update the directory. Yes. So, uh, so anybody could just search Google Ward Five Online, and, and Ward Five DC Online. Ward Five DC Online dot com. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, besides the the individual small business technical assistance that that y'all offer, what what other programs does Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation offer for small businesses? Uh, I want to add that another part that's important. We still do some seminars and training. We do do that, and that is uh, that is successful. We still have time, folks who have time to come and could take advantage of those group trainings. Of course, the one-on-one we talked about, we do capacity building. We like to help groups that want to help themselves. And we see some of these groups, again, kind of the same idea as a small business. If they're starting or if they're already an established organization, how do we help them make sure that they they know how to run, maybe run a little bit of this. How do you promote yourself? How do, if you have a board, maybe some board training? How do we work, you work with volunteers, volunteer training? If you need to, again, same thing, your legal structure, your permits, uh, your, uh, maybe you, you need to renew your nonprofit status, things like that. We'll be happy to help you with that and help you train new 
to work in your neighborhood. Uh, we have done that. We don't do it as much as we do with small business, which is your biggest um, focus, but we do do it. We want to make sure that folks know that we call this the capacity building portion of our program. And another thing that we find that is important and successful with small businesses is we call networking events. Now, networking is when we try to encourage business-to-business, again, um, business-to-business sales is what I want to say. So supplier to to distributor type thing. Exactly. That may be uh, a, a, a social event in a way, but you encourage folks to meet other folks that they can sell their products to. That is a networking. So it may be in a social, but it may have a, a certain focus. It may be a short speaker, and it may be industry-focused, industry-themed, you know, the, the, uh, themed, let's put it that way. So we do that. And another type of event we do for business that are not your regular storefront business. They may not be, you know, your regular, maybe mom and shop, uh, mom and pop, <laughs> or um, – what you would usually see on the street that you may walk into. These are usually certified business enterprises or perhaps contractors of different kinds. They don't need to be up on the street. They may be on a second floor. Or a home office. Or a home-based business. Exactly. Now, we do this because uh, we do what we call matchmaking sessions. We do this uh, two, two, three times a year, but we will seek large buyers. We need large buyers would be maybe a university, a hospital, a larger construction firm, large, large organizations such as, um, you know, Metro, Pepco, large utilities, DC Water, Washington Gas. They are looking for all kinds of small businesses. How do we pair them up? How do you get to meet that contracting officer one-on-one? So we bring people together and do the idea. The idea is uh, like, you know, speed dating. Speed dating for yeah. small businesses. Many folks have picked up on this idea. It's worked very well, and it's an opportunity for a small business to again meet meet the big guy. That's a fantastic program. That's uh, so many so many startups working out of their dining room table. They're wanting to know, I've got this great widget. Who's going to exactly. buy it? This is this is a great a great program. So. How often do you have those uh, uh, speed dating events? Yes, about two or three times a year. And that we do uh, in partnership with uh, with the chamber, the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, uh, helps us organize that. They have some of their members are again larger corporations or firms. Uh, they're willing to participate, and they said we need. This is a list of uh, companies we need. We have a computer program that does all. You, you you enter the computer does all the matching based on the needs of the larger organization, what they want, folks. Register, and um, and then they get match, and you get a short meeting, and you circle around uh, for two hours. There's a stopwatch and everything, and there's a stopwatch, <laughs> and you have a few minutes to meet, and you gotta have your elevator pitch ready to go, and of course business cards and any brochures, and that helps them. And many times they're looking for minority-owned businesses, certified businesses, women-owned businesses, and this is a, a quick way for them. To, to meet to meet folks, so it's a win win. Yes, it's absolutely. a win win. So, uh, so you mentioned the elevator pitches. Um, do you guys help coach those small businesses on how to how to develop a that an is a pitch? there is a very good one. We have actually done a uh, a training session on elevator pitch. We will help you one on one if that's something that you need to do. I'm going to be calling you up later. And we have some folks that are very good at making sure that you you think through what you're going to say in those 30 seconds. Uh, I, I'm always putting my foot in my mouth just when I need to <laughs> be my sharpest. So um, so it sounds like you have a new client. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, we'll and, sign, and, I'll sign you up right now. Yeah, well, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, when, when we formed Friends of Rhode Island Avenue, uh, Gabriella, uh, I, I met her at an event on the avenue, and uh, she offered uh, help with capacity building for our brand-new organization, and uh, – I can honestly say that we would not be here as uh, as the Main Street program if we had not had help from you and the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation from the from the get go. So, uh, 
it was a, another reason why I was so thrilled to have you join us today because it's such a, an invaluable program, not only for for-profit businesses throughout the area, but also for uh, nonprofit organizations starting up like we were. Uh, and and you mentioned you you've been in Ward Five for the the last five years or so. Uh, are there other specific areas in the D.C. metro area that you work in, or kind of all over the place? Do you have uh, other focused, targeted areas like you do here in Ward Five? We um, at traditionally when we started uh, the idea, obviously we've started a, 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 in commercial corridors that serve the Hispanic community. Uh, commercial corridors in Annas Morgan, Mount Pleasant, uh, 14th Street. Uh, Park Road, uh, parts of Georgia Avenue, but we are we are all over the city, um, and we try to help as many people as we can. If we can't, we send them to a partner. And um, again, when we came to uh, Northeast, as we were invited at the time by uh, council members and others to say, you know, we we and the city to say, you know, we we have these we have funds, we applied for funds. And let's help. Let's help these areas. But traditionally, we we helped um, Hispanic-serving corridors and and small businesses, and we have expanded again to help all minority-owned businesses and all small business owners. We help uh, all kinds of businesses in these corridors. We are now we 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 are a little bit. What I would like to say right now, um, helping through another program that we you we have mentioned, which is the Great Streets. Capital Improvements Grant Program. That's through the Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development. Exactly. And I would encourage uh, small businesses to go to the website of the Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development and look up Great Streets. Great Streets is a larger program, but there is a grant competition. And this grant competition for small businesses is funds that you can win to help improve your business. Yeah, and this is a, these are... Uh, mainly interior renovations, for example, and there is you are also allowed to compete for um, equipment in this yeah, type can, of you can get equipment. heavy equipment, you know, large walk-in Exactly, heavy equipment. Some facade improvement, facade improvement is included, and in interior renovations. And again, it is very competitive. This. Uh, Great Streets program has certain boundaries. They've recently been expanded, which is why I would like to encourage folks to look at the website for the map and for the areas. But it includes, uh, I don't want to forget anybody, but obviously right on Avenue Northeast is included, but it includes areas of uh, Georgia Avenue, areas in Ward 7 and Ward 8. Um, the, the major major corridors are included. Right, right. And so that means that this has taken us to different parts of D.C., and we are now helping businesses. Well, basically, it's all over. I mean, it right. includes uh, now it includes parts of Adams Morgan, it includes Mount Pleasant Street, parts of 14th Street, and parts of Columbia Heights. And that means that we are now getting calls for folks who want to start preparing for that competition. That is something else that we do under our technical assistance program because it means that you must have all of your documents in order, Again, what we it's talk, a very complicated application. It is, and so it means that you must have all of your taxes in order. Obviously, if you're getting funds from the city, you must have your taxes up to date, all of your business licenses, and uh, in, in in all, you must also seek several bids. Uh, you must be very from, clear from contractors for the from construction. contractors. If you're going to do construction, they ask you to seek for certified business enterprises. Again, all of these items tie into what we do so we do do not want to turn down anybody and we have partnered with this program and our funders to be able to help folks that means that takes us everywhere because we have calls again from folks on on georgia avenue uh for example uh very often uh, we we get calls from them and from Island avenue and other places and we want to be able to help as many folks as we can Right. Rhode Island Avenue is, is incredibly lucky because not only are we a Main Street program, which is you know one one opportunity to help small businesses, but we're also, like you said, a Great Street corridor. Um, so, so businesses here in this area have so many um, financial assistance opportunities. And, and then when organizations like Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation is available to help you access those funds, 
through help in, in filling out the applications, that's, uh, that's just a bonus. So uh, if, uh, if a small business uh, owner listening wants to find out more information about what you do and, and how they can get in touch with mm-hmm. you, uh, where, where do they go? What do they do? I'm going to give you a, uh, an email address. And you can send us a quick email. That would be one. Foundation at gwhcc.org. Shoot us a quick email with uh, your contact information, a little bit of what your needs are. We'll give you a call. Foundation at gwhcc.org. You can also call the main office as 202 728 0352 and say that you are seeking technical assistance leave us your contact information we uh, that is the main office number we have locations in um, counties surrounding the district we have a small office here in northeast uh, but the best way is to reach us again 202-728-0352 give us a call or send us an email. I think that's probably the best the best All right. way. All right. Well, Gabriela, thank you very much. Uh, again, Gabriela Mossi from the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Foundation. Uh, if you're a small business owner or are looking to start a new business in the area, um, this is a great, uh, great service that they offer. Uh, lots of help is available to you, uh, so, so don't be shy about reaching out. Uh, Gabriela, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, It's been a pleasure speaking with you. You're welcome, Kyle. It's been great being here. All right. Thank you. Please be sure to tune in to us next week where we'll have Lee Simon and Jenna Jacobson from S2 Development. And we'll also be joined by the new director of the Department of Small and Local Business Development, Anna Harvey. Looking forward to having her here in the studio. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.